Welcome back to the Hemingway List podcast. For Book 10, Chapter 18, it looks like Moscow society is aware of Maya's feelings for Nikolai. How do you think this came to be? Gossip travels fast in Moscow. What do you think about Pierre's desire to join the army given his physical and mental state? It doesn't seem like a wise impulse, but are there positives to consider? Are there indeed? Oh, Pierre, probably another bad decision to enter the army, says Twisted Every Way. It's almost like he had nowhere to go, and all his friends had left town, and he was just bored of the usual fare. I'm curious about his this balloon that Lepich was constructing. How was it supposed to fool the French? Sounds fantastical for the times. Four Lost Souls in a Bowl says, Every time they talk about Pierre in the army, I picture Sir Wyman Manderley from A Song of Ice and Fire. It was commonly referred to as Sir Too Fat to Sit on a Horse. Prince Kane says gossip spreads quickly, especially in Russian high society, so it isn't much of a surprise to hear that everyone knows what's up. I suspect Julie's behind it. She's already demonstrated that she is in the business of leaking secrets, and it's not too difficult to imagine that Maya wrote to her about Nikolai, and she couldn't keep her mouth shut. Julie may have become Julie Drobetskaya after her marriage, but her roots as a Kuragin are really showing through. Uh, Pierre might honestly be one of the most impulsive characters I've come across in fiction. The dude has a talent for starting things but not following through with them. Unfortunately, that hits a bit close to home. Lol. And I think even if he does join the army, he'll soon be off doing something else. I hope he at least consulted Andre before acting so he could dissuade him but given his feelings for Natasha I don't think he'll be talking to the prince any time soon Pierre is a great character I think I love his impulsivity impulsiveness he's so uh, he's so whimsical alright let's read chapter 19 it goes like this on the 24th of August the battle of Sherevardino Redal was fought. On the 25th, not a shot was fired by either side, and on the 26th, the Battle of Borodino itself took place. Why and how were the battles of Shevardino and Borodino given and accepted? Why was the Battle of Borodino fought? There was not the least sense in it for either the French or the Russians. Its immediate result for the Russians was and was bound to be that we were brought nearer to the destruction of Moscow which we feared more than anything in the world. And for the French, its immediate result was that they were brought nearer to the destruction of their whole army, which they feared more than anything in the world. What the result must be was quite obvious, and yet Napoleon offered and Kutuzov accepted that battle. If the commanders had been guided by reason, it would seem that it must have been obvious to Napoleon that by advancing 1,300 miles and giving battle with the probability of losing a quarter of his army, he was advancing to the certain destruction, and it must have been equally clear to Kutuzov that by accepting battle and risking the loss of a quarter of his army, he would certainly lose Moscow. For Kutuzov this was mathematically clear, as it is that if when playing drafts, I have one man less and go on exchanging, I shall certainly lose, and therefore should not exchange. When my opponent has 16 men and I have 14, I'm only one-eighth weaker than he, but when I have exchanged 13 more men, he will be three times as strong as I am. Before the Battle of Borodino, our strength in proportion to the French was about as five to six, 
but after that battle it was a little more than 1 to 2. Previously we had 100,000 against 120,000. Afterwards, a little more than 50,000 against 100,000, yet the shrewd and experienced Kutuzov accepted the battle, while Napoleon, who was said to be a commander of genius, gave it, losing a quarter of his army and lengthening his lines of communication still more. If it is said that he expected to end the campaign by occupying Moscow, as he had ended a previous campaign by occupying Vienna, there is much evidence to the contrary. Napoleon's historians themselves tell us that from Smolensk onwards he wished to stop, knew the danger of his extended position, and knew that the occupation of Moscow would not be the end of the campaign, for he had seen at Smolensk the state in which Russian towns were left to him, and had not received a single reply to his repeated announcements of his wish to negotiate. In giving and accepting battle at Borodino, Kutuzov acted involuntarily and irrationally, but later on, to fit what had occurred, the historians provided cunningly devised evidence of the foresight and genius of the generals who, of all the blind tools of history, were the most enslaved and involuntary. The ancients have left us model heroic poems in which the heroes furnish the whole interest of the story, and we are still unable to accustom ourselves to the fact that for our epoch histories of that kind are meaningless. On the other question, how the Battle of Borodino and the preceding Battle of Shrevardino were fought, there also exists a definite and well-known but quite false conception. All the historians describe the affair as follows. The Russian army, they say, in its retreat from Smolensk, sought out for itself the best position for a general engagement and found such a position at Borodino. The Russians, they say, fortified this position in advance on the left of the high road from Moscow to Smolensk and almost at the right angle to it from Borodino to Yutitsa, at the very place where the battle was fought. In front of this position, they say, a fortified outpost was set up on the Sheridino Mound to observe the enemy. On the 24th, we are told Napoleon acted, he, sorry, attacked this advanced post and took it, and on the 26th, attacked the whole Russian army which was in position on the field of Borodino, so the histories say, and it is all quite wrong, as anyone who cares to look into the matter can easily convince himself. The Russians did not seek out the best position, but on the contrary, during the retreat passed many positions better than Borodino. They did not stop at any one of these positions because Kutuzov did not wish to occupy a position he had not himself chosen, because the popular demand for a battle had not yet expressed itself strongly enough, and because Miloradovich had not yet arrived with the militia, and for many other reasons. The fact is that that other positions they had passed were stronger and that the position at Borodino, the one where the battle was fought, far from being strong, was no more a position than any other spot one might find in the Russian Empire by sticking a pin into a map at hazard. Not only did the Russians not fortify the position on the field of Borodino to the left of or at the right angle to the high road, that is the position on which the battle took place, but never till the 12th 25th of August, 1812, did they think that a battle might be fought there. This was shown first by the fact that there were no entrenchments there by the 25th, 
and that those begun on the 25th and 26th were not completed, and secondly, by the position of the Shiverdino Redoubt, that redoubt was quite senseless in front of the position where the battle was accepted. Why was it more strongly fortified than any other post? And why were all efforts exhausted and 6,000 men sacrificed to defend till late at night on the 24th? A Cossack patrol would have sufficed to observe the enemy. Thirdly, as proof that the position on which the battle was fought had not been foreseen and that the the Shevardino Redoubt was not an advanced post of that position, we have the fact that up to the 25th, Barclay de Tolle and Bagration were convinced that the Shevardino Redoubt was the left flank of the position and that Kutuzov himself in his report, written in hot haste after the battle, speaks of the Shevardino Redoubt as the left flank of the position. It was much later when reports on the Battle of Borodino were written at leisure that the incorrect and extraordinary statement was invented, probably, to justify the mistakes of a commander-in-chief who had to be represented as infallible. That the Shevardino Redoubt was an advanced post, whereas in reality it was simply a fortified point on the left flank, and that the Battle of Borodino was fought by us on an entrenched position previously selected, whereas it was fought on a quite unexpected spot which was almost unentrenched. The case was evidently this. A position was selected along the river, Kolocha, which crosses the high road, not at a right angle, but at an acute angle, so that the left flank was at Severodino, the right flank near the village of Navoi, and the centre at Borodino, at the confluence of the rivers Kolocha and Voina. To anyone, to anyone who looks at the field of Borodino without thinking of how the battle was actually fought, this position, protected by the river Kolocha, presents itself as obvious for an army whose object was to prevent an enemy from advancing along the Smolensk road to Moscow. Napoleon, riding to Veluvo on the 24th, did not see, as the history books say he did, the position of the Russians from Utica to Borodino. He could not have seen that position because it did not exist, nor did he see an advanced post of the Russian army, but while pursuing the Russian rearguard, he came upon the left flank of the Russian position at the Shevardino Redoubt, and unexpectedly for the Russians moved his army across the Kolocha, and the Russians, not having time to begin a general engagement, withdrew their left wing from the position they had intended to occupy and took up a new position which had not been foreseen and was not fortified. By crossing to the other side of the Kolocha, to the left of the high road, Napoleon shifted the whole forthcoming battle from right to left, looking from the Russian side, and transferred it to the plain between Utica Semenovsk and Borodino, a plain no more advantageous as a position than any other plain in Russia, and there, there the whole battle of the 26th of August took place. Had Napoleon not ridden out on the evening of the 24th to the Kolocha, and had he not then ordered an immediate attack on the redoubt, but had begun the attack next morning, no one would have doubted that the Shevardino redoubt was the left flank of our position, and the battle would have taken place where we expected it. 
in that case, we should probably have defended the Shevardino Redoubt, our left flank, still more obstinately. We should have attacked Napoleon in the centre or on the right, and the engagement would have taken place on the 25th in the position we intended and had fortified. But, as the attack on our left flank took place in the evening after the retreat of our rear guard, that is, immediately after the fight at Gridneva, and as the Russian commanders did not wish, or were not in time, to begin a general engagement, then on the evening of the 24th, the first and chief action of the Battle of Borodino was already lost on the 24th, and obviously led to the loss of one fort on the 26th. After the loss of the Shevardino Redoubt, we found ourselves on the morning of the 25th without a position for our left flank, and were forced to bend it back and hastily entrench it where it chanced to be. Not only was the Russian army on the 26th defended by weak, unfinished entrenchments, but the disadvantage of that position was increased by the fact that the Russian commanders, not having fully realised what had happened, namely the loss of our position on the left flank and the shifting of the whole field of the forthcoming battle from right to left, maintained their extended position from the village to Novoi to Yititsa, and consequently had to move their forces from right to left during the battle. So it happened that, throughout the whole battle, the Russians opposed the entire French army, launched against our left flank with but half as many men. Poniatowski's action against Utitsa and Uvarov's on the right flank against the French were actions distinct from the main course of the battle. So, the Battle of Borodino did not take place at all as in an effort to conceal our commander's mistakes, even at the cost of diminishing the glory of the Russian army and people, it has been described. The Battle of Borodino was not fought on a chosen and entrenched position with forces only slightly weaker than those of the enemy, but as a result of the loss of the Shevardino Redoubt, the Russians fought the Battle of Borodino on an open and almost unentrenched position, with forces only half as numerous as the French, that is to say, under conditions into which it was not merely unthinkable to fight for ten hours and secure an indecisive result. Excuse me. <coughs> and secure an indecisive result. But unthinkable to keep an army even from complete disintegration and flight. Alright, there we go. There's a chapter. Well, it turns out that maybe Borodino wasn't the best choice of places to fight, and maybe wasn't even really a choice of places to fight. It's just where it ended up happening. Cool. In other words. <laughs> um, cut a long story short. Have your say on the subreddit. Thanks for listening. I'll see you tomorrow.